Welcome to Consistency Theory Podcast, a podcast about how taking one step out of the place you feel most comfortable can catapult you to a place that you did not even know you could get to. We are all living in an information abundant era, so it can be hard to know what to pursue for the better. High school, travelling, uni, apprenticeships, working offer so many different opportunities, but how can you possibly know exactly what is for you? We discuss ideas with those who have first-hand experience of doing just that, so you can get first-hand perspective of how you can implement their secrets to your own life. Today we talk with Sonia, a passionate food and drink marketing expert who has built a career growing some of the UK's most loved fast-moving consumer goods brands. Alongside this, Sonia also runs a marketing education TikTok account with over 30,000 followers. We discuss tips about how to get into marketing as well as hustle and cancel cultures and her tip for the youth today. I hope you enjoy our chat. Okay, cool. We're here with Sonia. Um, would you be able to give us a quick overview of what you do? Sure. I, uh, my name is Sonia. I'm a product marketer. I, um, I have eight years of experience in product marketing. I focus mostly on food and drinks um, categories in my, uh, my professional career. Um, on the side, I'm also a guest lecturer at multiple universities and I also have a TikTok account where I do marketing education. Yeah, perfect. It's a great TikTok account. It's about 31k now, is it? Yeah, we're at 31k. Um, it's growing every day. I'm every day surprised <laughs> that people are following me. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really good fun. And uh, I'm pretty proud to say that I think I'm probably the only product marketer on TikTok at the moment. Um, so I think that's why people just follow me because they're really curious mm. to find out why certain things are as they are. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. I um, I first saw one of your videos. I can't remember when it was, but I saw you went live, and I saw you um, you were just walking around a supermarket, and people were people were telling you to go to certain products, and you were pointing out, pointing out the flaws in them or the um, all the stuff they could do better. I thought this is pretty interesting. I really like this. Yeah, it was, it was really, really interesting to me. It's really good. And my internet, my internet connection also died sort of halfway through, and then I got it back up. So I think people were just furious. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's just really interesting because I think a lot of people will think of marketing and they will think of digital marketing, which is you know a big mm-hmm. part of marketing because it's the communication part. But they don't really realize all the pre work that goes into it. You know, with packaging, with design, with pricing strategies, with distribution strategies, with product mm. development. You know, all the things that come before consumers ever see a social media post and how that influences decision making. So when mm-hmm. I was in the supermarket, I was trying to explain why certain things are the way they are. Why are they on, you know, on the bottom of the shelf, on the top of the shelf? Why are they priced? in a certain way why are they in certain packaging where certain things happening in store that you would usually not really think about but that are having a really big impact on how you make decisions Mm -hmm. yeah for sure it's so so interesting to me would you say would you say that kind of because marketing is very kind of psychological would you say that is kind of the favorite part of your role just kind of um making the product making it look perfect so people are going to say oh stop buying have a look gonna buy that yeah Um, yeah would you say that's a favorite part of your role i think it's so i think psychology plays a really big part in this 
Um, I would probably say my favorite part of marketing is the strategic aspect of it um, and sort of the the thinking through and like the thinking that goes into certain methods or tools that we use. Um, I think the execution of it is, is sort of the cherry on top at the end of a very long process. Um, but I think it's one of those, it's one of those, marketing is one of those areas that I feel is just hugely underappreciated for all the different factors that go into marketing. You know, we do psychology, we do, um, you know, we do basic product development, so R&D, we do graphic design, we do communications. It's, it's one of those areas that combines yeah. loads of different aspects and loads of different arts, uh, aspects of art and science um, and make it really what it is today. And so that's what I love about it. The sort of the fusion of art and science, if you will. Yeah, it's very, very multifaceted. It's a lot very of, multifaceted. there's a lot of places you can go with marketing. Absolutely, makes it so yeah. interesting. Um, so away from marketing, uh, what would you say what is really exciting you right now so outside of marketing so for example me um as i'm sure a load of other people are interested in crypto cryptocurrencies and how nfts and stuff are kind of coming out hmm. um is that something you share as well yeah um it's funny that you mentioned crypto i don't really talk about it publicly very often um I have been heavily involved in crypto for almost a decade now. Um, oh, really? Because <laughs> when I was at university, um, the the boy that I started to date, <laughs> and who's now a husband, <laughs> um, he started uh, the UK's first uh, crypto exchange, um, wow. and he was a co-founder of that. And he started that out of his out of his dorm bedroom, <laughs> um, wow. and so. I had very early exposure to crypto um, and I was very involved at the beginning um, and then I sort of retreated back into marketing, but I'm still very yeah. much, you know, following what's going on. I think NFTs are super exciting. Um, when it comes to NFTs, there's obviously a lot going on. I think there's also a lot of hype uh, probably around it. I agree. But from the people that I really see doing exciting things, like actually doing exciting things with it rather than just talking about it, probably at the mm. forefront of that is Gary V. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. sure. I'm not sure if you saw, but he just launched a Discord channel. Um, yep. And he has like a big announcement coming up on on uh, May fifth, and uh, yep. I think he will do very innovative and very. Yeah, probably groundbreaking things with it. And even if it doesn't work out, you know, Gary Vee is one of those people that just tries things um, and yeah, so I sure. think, and pushes the boundaries. And so I think it will be really interesting to see what he does with it um, and how he basically introduces tiering into NFT and auctioning into NFT. And so mm -hmm. that I would probably say is, is the most exciting thing that I see at the moment when it comes to NFT and crypto. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one one thing Gary Vee did talk about um, away from NFTs just as art and people just listening as art is the you can use it as kind of like a access kind of thing, like a um, trying to think of a better word. Um, so say you, you buy this NFT for however much he's going to sell NFTs for, that will give you backstage access to one of his gigs or something. You can keep that forever. 
that that really interests me outside of the art collecting thing i think is where stuff should go with nfts you see um, music artists so kings of leon did one as well where they sold they sold quite a few i think they're one of one of the first artists too that was really interesting to me um and as well on tiktok i'm absolutely inundated with people pushing crypto nfts absolutely everything like that and it's it's kind of hard to kind of say which ones are kind of which ones are worth going into which ones are worth pursuing and which ones are just kind of which one's just going to flop i mean one one thing that's really interesting to me is um how much power Elon Musk has on the crypto market. If he tweets everything just straight up. That's like a double-edged sword, isn't it? So Mm. I always say, I I never give, you know, investment advice. I think when it comes to crypto, (laughs) I've become really reserved um, in talking about it because I don't want to make people feel like, you know, I don't want to make them feel like there is a rush to do anything. I think crypto is one of those areas that is so new and so different to what people are used to when it comes to monetary and value systems that it really requires you to do the research. It's not one of those things where you can read one article and be like, okay, cool, like I'm just going to do this. All of the tools and all of the innovations in the crypto market are designed to make it accessible to the everyday men and women and make it as easy as possible to invest and and get involved. But I do still think, even though the tools might be now easier than they used to be in the past, it still does require the research. Um, And so the second thing I always say is, don't invest more than you're willing to lose. So if you put in 50 pounds and you're willing to lose 50 pounds, then invest 50 pounds. If your uh, limit is maybe a little bit higher, then do that. But basically, how I treat my investment is that um, I don't really see it as a saving. I don't even see it as an investment in a sense. I invested into crypto and I've literally forgotten about it. Like, I don't even check the price regularly. I don't um, take it into consideration for investment or for big purchases. It is literally just there. And I... And I don't worry about it. And that honestly is the best way of dealing with crypto, especially if you want to see it as a long term value hold, because, as you said, there is so much, so much misinformation going around (laughs) and and so much just pressure to do things with crypto. And I I just see crypto as, you know, as you would see gold, like you buy gold and then you leave it somewhere locked away you don't constantly go and check on your gold (laughs) and so that's how that's my personal view of you know how it should be handled and then things like nft um obviously slightly differently it's different to that um because that is something that you would interact mostly with and in that case you know buy some ethereum and buy the things and the um, the items that you feel are worthwhile um Mm. but then in that case you know it's obviously not you don't use Ethereum or NFT as a value storage in that sense. You do it maybe as uh, experiences, as you said, or if, you, yeah. if you're an art buyer, then I guess in that case, yes, you would use it as a long-term <laughs> storage. But in no case should you ever invest more than you're um, willing to no. lose. I agree. So um, since we were, we were talking about the spread of misinformation and everything, um, primarily through TikTok, um, yeah. 
you talked to me about your TikTok. Why did you why did you decide one day I'm going I'm going to start a TikTok and start sharing my ideas? Um by accident to be honest. I think a lot of people will tell you the same thing. Um so I was in second lockdown in December. Um mm -hmm. and I stumbled onto TikTok. Um and I was looking for the algorithm at the beginning was giving me you know was trying to give me different content things that I thought I might be interested in and yeah. frankly got it completely wrong. I ended up in the <laughs> craziest parts of TikTok. And so I was like, okay, I I don't want to give up on the app just yet. Like, I want to give it another chance. Let's see if they have something marketing related. And so I looked for marketing TikTok and I landed on marketing TikTok. And it was fascinating. Yeah. It was so interesting. But what I noticed was that all of the content was focused on social media marketing. And that is one of my pet peeves when it comes to marketing. Um, when people think of marketing, they think of social media marketing. And as someone who works right. in different types of marketing, I was always like, it's not only social media marketing. So basically what I did is <laughs> I just started talking about my work. I, I had recently launched a product into into market, which was a, a, a tape, yep. a sticky tape. Sell a tape, yeah. Sell a tape uh, for those in the UK, the equivalent of scotch tape for those in the US listening to this podcast. And um, I just explained like all the thinking that went into developing this tape, you know, how to make it easy rip, how to make it clear, how to make it sustainable, how to make it biodegradable, all the work that went into before it ever hit social media. And people were like fascinated. They were like, oh my God, I had never thought about it this way. And that's that video blew up. I think it has half a million or 600,000 views. And people were literally like, wow. can you can you show me more? Like, what else are you doing? <laughs> and so as someone who has launched a lot of products into the market, um, I, I started just talking about that. And that's, I think, how people got hooked in. And that's how I got hooked in. Because I was like, oh, wow, there's actually people interested in this sort of stuff. And that's what I do on my TikTok. So I talk about um, product marketing. Um, but I also have started to focus on people that want to get into marketing. And um, mm -hmm. enabling them to see all the different options of marketing that there are. And, and just giving them advice, career advice, basically. Um, so last day, yesterday, for example, I put out a post around if you want to, what is better, starting in a startup or starting in an agency? Like, what are the advantages and disadvantages of going into either channel and starting your career in these two completely mm -hmm. different types of businesses? Um, and so these are things that you wouldn't really usually find on the internet or are hard to find for people. And so that's what I talk about. That's great. And now we have 31,000 followers later. Yeah, we have 31,000 um, later. <laughs> and I don't know why they're there, to be honest, but we'll, we'll just roll with it. I'm massively thankful for that. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. Um, so people um, might struggle with starting TikToks. Um, what advice would you say for people to just start and kind of, because a, a lot of TikToks, can't say exactly for yours, not TikToks won't always be viral. They won't always go viral. Some will flop. Um, so really kind of what is your attitude to to failure? Like those TikToks um, not doing so well and how would you um, tell people how to start? Like what barriers are there to get over? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
TikTok is a mental game. TikTok requires you to be mentally very strong and very settled in who you are and what you can do. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, the algorithm will give you like a boost. So a lot of the videos that you put out first will do very well. And that is just the algorithm designed to hook you in. Um, but then what tends to happen is what I call the valley of death. Um, so you have like peaks of happiness and then a valleys of death. And that is completely normal. Like even the biggest TikTokers have that. And it is, it is part of the design of the algorithm. And it's very kind for you to say, oh, well, you know, you don't have that problem where your TikTok's not going viral. I have TikToks flopping literally every day. And that is... And at the beginning, I got really upset about that. At the beginning, I was really like overanalyzing things. I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, are people not liking me or whatever? But actually, it's not that at all. It's it's literally how the algorithm is designed to work. You will have videos that do nothing and you will have videos that will just take off and you don't even know why. Um, because the algorithm is quite new and the platform is quite new, the algorithm also changes all the time. And so it's really hard for you to keep up with all of these things and for you to measure yourself against all these numbers. Do you find that quite um, frustrating that the algorithm changes so much? I did at the beginning, but when I spoke with like bigger creators around it, you know, people that are verified, people that have millions of followers, they gave me one really good piece of advice. And, and that's, I guess, what I would want to pass on you need to have fun you need to create content that you enjoy and that is fun for you because at the end of the day why people follow you on tiktok is not necessarily because of the content that you put out because quite frankly a lot of the content that you see on tiktok you could probably google if you wanted to but they follow you because of you they follow you because of your personality and so if you're not having fun that will translate to the camera and people will see that. On the other hand, if you are having fun and if you're happy with the content that you put out, no matter how many views it gets, no matter how many likes it gets, then people will understand that and people will feel that in the content and yeah. they will follow you because of you. And so I guess if you are new to TikTok, if you want to start an account, don't be too harsh on yourself. <laughs> if views go low or <laughs> likes go low, um, just continue doing what you're doing. Make sure that you enjoy yeah. yourself and and have a look at, you know, your competitors or maybe other people in the industry and try to replicate or imitate some of the videos that did really well for them and see how you can translate them into your type of content. Um, and it's a, it's a constant learning process, like everything in marketing is. It's a constant learning process that always changes and you just have to go with the flow, really. For sure. Um, so I want to talk very briefly about possibly maybe, maybe the kind of darker side of, of TikTok. So you got, well, particularly to me, I'm, I'm 21, I'm at uni. Um, throughout this whole, all the lockdowns we've had, one of the main things I'm seeing is a hustle culture. So I'm being absolutely fed all these hustle TikTok videos, everything like that where if you're not doing X, Y, Z, it's it's pointless. You should be doing X, Y, Z. You should be chucking in 10 grand into crypto. You should be doing this and that. What is your kind of quick take on hustle culture? Oh, you're really like digging deep today, (laughs) aren't you? 
<laughs> oh, I, I actually hate hustle culture. I, I really do hate it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think there's so much pressure put on, especially, you know, the younger generation, people like you, people in high school, people in university, you know, you need to have seven streams of passive income and you need to, you know, all of these sort of things. And honestly, that's causing so much anxiety and unhappiness in people. Um, and I compare it to, you know, how I grew up with, I was probably the last generation that grew up without really the internet. Uh, I only got mm. access, I only got Facebook when I was like 12 or, or 13 or something. Um, <laughs> it, hustle culture is toxic because it, it causes you to believe that you're not good enough if you don't do certain things, especially at a very young age. And so my point of view on this is that you have time, you know, um, you have time mm -hmm. to fail, to make mistakes, to try again and to, you know, build yourself as a person, um, you know, throughout your life. And so I actually have a podcast called the plan B podcast where I talk about mistakes yeah. and failure and how people, how different people view mistakes and failure. And literally every single person I've talked with said, you know, it's not a failure unless you try again and nothing mm. is ever final. Uh, even the greatest ideas, the greatest projects that you try, they, they might not work out and then you have to pick yourself up and you go again. And that is just part of your learning experience. And I think hustle culture sort of undermines that because it, it feels like a, a way to get rich quickly or to get famous quickly or to, you know, mm. have a house at like 25 you're that's not really how it's supposed to be you know like you can it's fine if you don't have a house with 25 like most people don't and also once you're 25 and you have a house what are you going to do like there, there's there's more problems that come with that there's more challenges that come with that and so i think it, it just it's very toxic and it, it gives people wrong expectations of how their journey through life mm. should be I agree. Um, one one thing that I've found. Do you uh, do you follow Grace Beverly at all? I uh, don't know. Founder no. of uh, Tala. No. Um, well, she has a uh, a book out that I bought the other day, and one thing she says in there is, um, it's almost like hustle culture. She's very tough on hustle culture. She talks about um, this kind of need to announce things, this need to do a lot of things at the surface level just so you can post on Instagram, just so you can say, oh, I've done this, I've done this. Like in the first lockdown, um, I'm sure online courses and stuff were absolutely flying. Mm. It was like, I've taken part of this course, I've been part of this call. And as well, um, I haven't been able to experience it, but Clubhouse, I hear, I hear people talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, I've got an Android phone, so I haven't been able to be part of that yet. But yeah, no, it's really, really interesting. It's kind of... Uh, it's kind of last last question on this kind of um, darker side of TikTok. Um, cancel culture, as well. Are you for or against cancel culture? Because I see I see some people who are who agree with cancel culture, and they kind of say it's a good thing in one sense to police what people say and to hold them accountable for what they say. And people on the other side are like. Um, people just want free speech and everything like that. Hmm. What what would your hot take be on cancel culture? 
Oh, cancel culture. <laughs> I think it's we undeniable. Are, we are diving deep today. We are diving deep. I think it's undeniable that, you know, we are nowadays a culture that hugely values and judges um, publicity, right? And and being very outspoken about things and, and sharing your opinion on any everything and everything. Um, and I think that's great because I think it enables more diversity in conversations and enables more voices that might in, in the past might have not been heard. So I think that's great. But I also think um, it should never be at the harm of others. So I think that's where the level of free speech for me ends. And I might have a different view on this because I'm German. You know, we have very difficult history with uh with wars and discrimination and, you know, genocide and all of these sort of things. And so my view on free speech is you can have free speech as long as it doesn't harm others. And so that sort of translates into cancel culture for me. You can choose to not interact with an artist or you can choose to not interact with someone if you don't agree with their opinions. Um, should you make like a public circus out of that? Probably not. <laughs> um, but also I think the people that do say outrageous things just to be outrageous um, need to have a really hard look at themselves and be like, how is this actually benefiting either myself or people around me? Um, and do I need to share these opinions in the way that I'm sharing them? So I don't know. It's, it's not a very clean cut answer, but... I, I think most things in the world are not very black or white. They usually tend to stay in the gray. And um, there's a lot of aspects to that that need to be examined and also looked at on a case-by-case basis. <laughs> okay, so we'll start with the, uh, the deep dive stuff now. Um, one of the things I first saw you on TikTok for was walking around supermarkets and basically kind of pointing out the bad stuff about um, uh, different brands and stuff, how they could do stuff better. So... One of my questions would be, off the top of your head, is there a product that you would do a complete rebrand of? What you what would you love to do a complete just overhaul of the brand, of the marketing, and just put it out there like you've done before? Ooh. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example that is not a direct competitor. <laughs> mm. Um... Okay, so the, the, one of the first examples that comes to my mind is actually a brand. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say its name because it is a direct company. That's fine, that's fine, no worries. I don't wanna, <laughs> I don't wanna like, say it now. Um, but basically, it's a, it's, a, it's a biscuit brand in the UK. Mm-hmm. It's actually a German biscuit brand. Right. Um, but it's sold in the UK, it's, it's doing very well. And they, had a brand image which were quite old-fashioned and it hasn't changed like in a very long time and they recently did like a massive rebrand um and i i think the rebrand is horrendous like <laughs> absolutely horrendous i've been holding myself back from doing multiple tiktoks on this because i was like no you're gonna be a decent person you're not gonna do this because i'm sure there's a lot of marketers that have worked really hard on this but as someone who works in the industry and works in that category and is very passionate about that product. I I cannot understand why it was done this way. Um, 
so yes, I would I would love to I would love to actually just have a conversation with the people who had who who work in it and just to yeah. understand. I, I, like, what are you doing? I just I just want to understand because maybe I am completely getting it wrong, and maybe there's a lot of research and insight behind this. Um, yeah, and, and see how they got there. Um, and so yeah, if I if I if I could without the knowledge in the background, I'm looking at yeah. that brand and I'm like, oh, I would love to. I would love to just completely revamp that. Um, yeah, for sure. But I think another. If you would ask me, like, um, what brand I would love to work on and I, what brand I think does it extremely well, I think, you know, Innocent will come to mind. I think Innocent does fantastic yeah. uh, marketing all around. And not only on their social media, which is probably what most people see, but also in terms of their packaging and their pricing. It's just incredible. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember um, uh, Innocent always used to have little uh, knitted bubble hats on top of the uh, on top of the smoothies. Yes. That was great. Such a great yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I personally don't study marketing. I used to well I used to take a business course for a year until I um I switched because I, I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Um, so what without going too deep, I'm sure we could talk about this for hours. Um, what would be a, a piece of advice you would give to? university students they don't necessarily have to be studying marketing but they're kind of thinking they want to get into marketing in the future so they're in university about to graduate what piece of advice would you give to them to kind of get a foot in the door and kind of get experience in marketing yes i could talk about this all day but there's always two or three things that i say and that i uh, that I've seen to work really well for people that want to get into the industry. So from from conversations that I had on my TikTok and with students, I always hear, you know, I don't really know what type of marketing I want to do because I don't really know about all the types of marketing that I could do. And I also don't know about all the industries that I could work in. So what tends to happen is that there's two types of people usually. One is who is really passionate about a certain industry. So let's say, you know, they're very passionate about fashion or they're very passionate about food. Um, and for those students, I will always say, try to get into that industry um, as a marketing entry level role. And that could be, let's say, through social media, for example. Um, social media is usually the most accessible because there's the most mm -hmm. um, free material or online courses online that will teach you what you need to know to do social media marketing. For product marketing, you know, it's usually a little bit harder. You do you tend to learn on the job. Um, but if you are, if you know which industry you want to get into, then, then do that. Then basically get into an entry level role for that industry because you will most likely find it really rewarding because you like the industry. Um, if you don't know the industry and if you're very, you know, if you're just open to anything, which is a great place to be in, then I would always recommend to go into an agency. Um, agencies are a great start into your career because they have a quite structured environment, but they still give you exposure to different industries and to different clients. And so as you work across multiple clients or if as you work across multiple campaigns, you have to understand, you have to learn a little bit about each industry that you work on because you obviously create content mm -hmm. 
um, as an agency around that. So you sort of learn, a you get a top line view of all the different things that are going on. And then once you find something that you really like, you can then dive into that. Um, so I think that's usually the two types of people that I tend to meet. And then in terms of roles, I think um, doing like the online certificates that are available for free, like on HubSpot, on Facebook, uh, Google Garage, um, you know, you can do all of these for free and you can learn about social media marketing and that will give you like a really good heads up on on what it is like to work in marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, you talked about quickly the um, certificates you can take online. Um, as as someone who's been in marketing for a while, um, how how much weight do you give to those certificates? Say if someone comes to you and says, "I've got X Y Z certificate, um, looking for a job," how much would you value those certificates? I would value them actually quite a lot even if you don't apply for a social media role so i've been doing a lot of recruitment recruiting in the last six months uh i actually hired a completely new social media marketing team who by the way don't have any mm -hmm. certificates <laughs> um <laughs> actually no one of them has i think one certificate um but mm -hmm. i think the certificates show that you're willing to learn that you're willing to get prepared on things and also having like the that knowledge will be super useful for entry-level roles. Um, so I think it, it really works on multiple levels in terms of showing that you're you're keen, showing that you're willing to learn, um, so showing that you have the right work attitude. But at the same time, if the role is a social media mm -hmm. role, then it's also very useful knowledge to have on the job. Um, if you apply to other marketing roles like event marketing or market research or product marketing for that matter and um, it still shows that you know that you're that you're willing to get your feet wet before you even start and that mm -hmm. you're basically doing research on the industry and having a basic knowledge in that is is super super useful yeah for sure um so we're gonna gonna kind of wrap up a little bit i've got a few more questions sure. and we'll just kind of give a um a quick overview at the end um so when you finished university did you um did you go on to do a master's you did um so what from what you remember what was kind of the most challenging thing you faced like post university so you've got your bachelor and your master's you just graduated what 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 was going through your head what were you thinking I was very lucky. Um, so I did my master at Warwick University and uh, mm -hmm. we had a lot of employers coming to, to campus advertising roles. And so I went to every single one of them. I talked with all the different employers mm -hmm. and I didn't ask them like the questions that usually people would ask them like, oh, can I send my CV or like, you know, like the, 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 tradition, the traditional questions that mm -hmm. I'm being asked. I actually went and I was like, yeah. okay, you know what are what are your learning programs like how's your personal <laughs> development path um what makes people succeed in these roles and and i basically built a little bit of a library of things that i wanted to work on and that mm -hmm. i thought that i needed to do well in the jobs that i was applying for and so i applied to you know a couple of companies and i was very lucky that i actually had two 
offers at the end of the school year. Um, and I just chose between, you know, the two offers that I had been, um, that had been given. Um, and I chose to go into food back then because I, I love food. So that's how I ended up in food marketing. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, so how long am I going for? Okay. So if, um, uh, we kind of wrap up and we have just one overview sure. and that's if you could speak to so the entirety of the youth generation right now <laughs> what final piece of advice doesn't have to be related to absolutely anything that we've talked about what piece of advice would you give to young people just starting out any kind of just going through university about to graduate what would you say to them that that is a okay so dear youth dear today's youth um the two the two most important things that i would have liked to know when i was your age and i'm not that far removed but you know when i was younger is um self-awareness and self-belief um you need don't let anybody tell you how much you how much you're worth or what you can and what you cannot do um believe in yourself because nobody else will <laughs> um and and be really secure in in who you are and what you want to be at the same time you need to work on self-awareness and you need to be all able to understand what are your strengths and what are your opportunities and what you want to work on in the future and be really humble around that um, and take advice from people that you really value don't take advice from everyone and anyone on the street take advice from people that you really value and 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 take that advice to heart and and work on yourself and see that as a continuous process that you will start now and end on the day that you die because that is what life is about is a continuous learning process um, and I think having that combination of self-belief and self-awareness is what will make this generation so important um, and so successful, I think. I'm, I'm super excited about Zillennials. I'm super excited about um, Generation um, Z. Like, I think you guys are incredible. Mm -hmm. you, you guys are really incredible. Um, and w what I see you all doing on social media and in the real world is so inspiring and so know that you know the other generations the older generations are looking up at you and and are really admiring you guys so yeah keep doing what you're doing perfect well sonia thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights it's been absolute pleasure to talk to you today no worries at all. um so if we if we want to find you on social media where should we look you want to find me on social media, um, I always say to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I know nobody ever says this, but mm -hmm. please connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, if I yeah. can help you in any way to connect you to employers or give you any advice, then please do so. You can find me under um, Sonia Gonzalez Mia. I'm sure Jake will put my name into the description of the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and find me also on TikTok if you are interested in product marketing or career advice around marketing. It's also under my name, so Sonia.Gonzalez-Mir. And uh, yeah, don't be afraid to reach out and uh, I'll see you there. Perfect. Thank you.